Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Hannah Wilder, and I am the associate priest at St. Andrew's Encinitas. And welcome back, Hannah Wilder, to the show. Woo-hoo-hoo! Thanks, yes. I'm happy to be All done. star, lost count of how many times you've been on. Oh, I, I bet know. Hannah knows how many. <laughs> Do you know? How I, many? I mean, I've lost count of how many times I've been yeah. an all star. It's just hard. You're that me. big. A, you're that big a deal <laughs> in the world of faith to go. Uh, welcome everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning back in to this week's episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about the gospel for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. That's uh, this week leading up to Sunday, January thirtieth, the final. The 1,000th and final Sunday in January 2022. (laughs) Uh, And we're so happy that you've all tuned back in. We're so happy to have the Rev Hannah Wilder here with us. And, uh, you know, as before we get into our gospel discussion, we always like to uh, check in with our guest, uh, hear from them, what's happening in their world. Also, Charlotte has a fun story from this past week in Mm. her context, but we want to first hear from Hannah. So Hannah, would you share, uh, again, remind everybody of your ministry context and maybe you could share something that's going on or an update or just like whatever is exciting that's happening or not exciting. Maybe there's something you're totally dreading in your ministry context. (laughs) You could share that too. (laughs) Just let us know what's going on. Well, yes, I'd be happy to. So I am the associate at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Encinitas, but it's part-time. And so I'm also the admin assistant at the Julian Methodist Church. And that has been so eye-opening and cool to get to know about another denomination and like the inner workings of things Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so um, I had this phone call, you know, when I'm there, I file and I do the bills and payroll and I answer the phones. And so I had this phone call from a member who was asking for prayer for his brother who is actively dying. And, you know, he, he just needed to talk. So I just listened for a while. And then I asked him if we could pray together and he said, yes. And so I prayed something and I felt like I was totally inadequate and just sort of bumbling and not really sure of what to say, you know, because it's a big moment for him and his family. And Um, And yet then at the end of the call, he just thanked me and it sounded like he might be tearing up himself. And I was just reminded that we are imperfect beings that are just, you know, co-creating with God to like be present with one another with whatever is going on in our lives. So I felt um, I felt God's presence in that phone call for sure. Mm -hmm. That's where you saw God this week. Yeah, that's where I saw God this week. On the phone. On the phone. Mm -hmm. Heard God on On the the phone. phone. Thanks, Hannah, for sharing that, for sharing about your context and where you saw God this past week. And now I want to ask Charlotte if she would share a story about uh, her faith to go, a story about her faith to go reflections on the gospel with her community. Yes, it's faith to go in the wild. Yes. Um, But truly, I had the best faith to go moment this week. So as you all know, if you listened to last week's podcast, we were talking about the miracle at the wedding in Cana. And David's point was about the servants and how they were there and they saw it. They were the witnesses. And so as I was considering my homily for Christ Church Day School for Tuesday morning's chapel, I thought that would be a really powerful launching place for that conversation with the children. 
And it's a really interactive space. So I often ask them questions to help them engage and connect with what I'm saying. And so right at the very beginning, I talk about that it's the first miracle and then I'm setting myself up for exactly what I want to say to them. And I ask them if they can tell me who some of the main characters were in this story. I'm convinced that I'm going to get Jesus, Mary, maybe the wedding host or the disciples. But in my head, this is what I'm getting. And so a bunch of hands shot up because they all like to participate. And I call on one of our kindergartners. And this is what I hear. The servants. Mm -hmm. The servants were there and they helped Jesus. (laughs) And this was not my child. No, No. your child doesn't go here yet. Emphasis on the yet. Um, But no, I mean, it just was, David, it was such... That was actually my God sighting this week, right? Because it reminds me of how we need to be open to each other and that we can't automatically assume what we're going to hear or assume our roles as teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, because I always am learning something when mm-hmm. I'm with the children. Mm-hmm. But it was just delightful for me. And I wanted you to know, David, that you were rock solid in your point because it was validated mm-hmm. by the senior kindergarten class mm-hmm. of Christ Church Day School. Totally validated. I, I feel like I get like 100 preschool points. Uh-huh. Don't I? Uh-huh. I think so. <laughs> um, thank you both for sharing those uh, stories, those places where you saw and felt God, your, the ways that you interacted with the gospel this past week. That was awesome. We would also love to always hear from you all listening out there. Like uh, Hannah, we would love to hear where you saw or felt God's movement this past week, a consolation or a desolation where it was easy or hard to feel God's movement. Uh, we'd love to hear about your ministry context and things going on there. Like Charlotte, we'd love to hear how you're hearing, using the Faith to Go resources and mm-hmm. interacting with the gospel, what questions or comments or stories of that reflection or discussion are, are coming up for you. We'd love to hear any and all of those. You can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, myfaithtogo.org. You can uh, follow us or tag us in a post on Instagram at faith to go and you can also call us and leave us a voicemail with your uh, with whatever you'd like to tell us 562-384-7638 that's 562-FTG-POD-8 and you can find all of those um, ways of getting in contact with us in the description of this episode. So just scroll down if you're on your phone there's links to our email address the phone number all the things uh, and make sure you go check out all the faith to go uh, resources that are out right now as you're listening to this on MyFaithToGo.org. They accompany this discussion. They're mm-hmm. all based on the the gospel for this upcoming week. And there's resources for you to use for personal reflection, reflection with your family, with your community or your small group. If you're uh, uh, leading some sort of formation offering in your community for young people or for teenagers or for adults, there's stuff there for everybody. So, um, and now we're going to get to our discussion about the gospel for this upcoming week. Again, the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany for uh, January January 30th. Uh, the gospel is from Luke chapter four, verses 21 to 30. Charlotte's going to read it. I'll give some context, and then we'll each share a point that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion or reflection. Jesus began to speak in the synagogue at Nazareth. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote me to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, 
Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine all over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman of the Syrian. When they heard this, all the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Wow, that escalated quickly. It did. Um, this, everyone, is from Luke chapter 4, which we were in last week. Last week we talked about uh, the beginning of Luke chapter 4, of Jesus's, uh, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, right after the temptation, which is, which is actually the very first verses of chapter 4, is then Jesus in the synagogue where he's talking about the Spirit of the Lord being upon him. He reads the scroll. And then this is kind of the second half of that story. So we kind of got part one of that story up to verse 20, verse 21 to 30 to finish out uh, that story of Jesus in the synagogue. So Jesus is still in the place he was last week. And Jesus is, is, point, is quoting a couple, well, he's referencing a, two different stories in Scripture. They're both from two, the two different books of Kings. So there's 1 Kings 17, 8 through 24. That's the story about Naaman, the Syrian. Uh, and then there's the story of 2 Kings 5, which is the story of the widow at Zarephath. And the, Hannah's going to talk more about um, these stories. So I'm not going to get into exactly what Jesus is trying to illustrate with them because Hannah's going to talk about that. Um, but that's where they are. Jesus is pulling on two different uh, stories from Hebrew scripture, one from 1 Kings, one from 2 Kings. Uh, and so that's where we are. The middle of chapter 4, there's still more uh, in Luke chapter 4 to go after this story. So we're, we're just kind of in the middle of it. And uh, Hannah's got the first point for this week. Yeah, and so I think it's important to know the stories of your people. You know, Jesus knew the words of Isaiah, and he knew the stories of Elisha and Elijah. Um, and I think the point he's making here is that God's spirit worked beyond the Jewish community. You know, it was not just to these chosen people, but God came through Elisha and Elijah to um, outsiders, the people who, the very people who the Jews would have thought, oh, God's not on their side. You know, God's on our side. And, you know, so that makes me think about when I read this scripture, you know, of course, I think, oh, um, well, Jesus is on my side. You know, I wouldn't have been part of that crowd that would have driven him, ha him out and wanted to hurl him off the cliff. You know, like, I'm sure that Jesus is on my side of things. And when I think about my politics and my views about the pandemic and, you know, everything, I'm sure that Jesus is on my side. But I think that I'm missing the point if um, I don't feel the sting of this passage. And so for me, I put in a couple different people that, you know, for me would would um, that I feel like Jesus would would say to me, you know, like of all the Christians in America sick with COVID, miraculous immunity was sent only to um, Donald Trump. 
or Marjorie Taylor Greene or to that person who just won't get vaccinated and keeps visiting my 83 year old father. Um, you know, the people that I have a hard time seeing God in mm -hmm. the people that I feel like are really uh, misbehaving or not loving their neighbors or, you know, all these judgmental thoughts I have in my mind. I feel like when I read this passage, Jesus is like, yeah, actually that's the person that I am hanging out with. And that's where God's healing power and miraculous immunity is going to come, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I just think we need to really be aware of our own tendency to, you know, divide and and separate ourselves from others and think that we're better, that God is on our side. And really we need to check ourselves and um, think about how Jesus is always crossing borders and going to the people that we least expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's also, and in these stories is also like highlighting people who were like genuinely open to God's movement as outsiders, kind of in like a more, like in a in a kind of new mind kind of way, like they hadn't they didn't have their like preconceived notions mm -hmm. of what God should be or should do, or the limit, almost like limitations of what God can do. Because that's kind of what what they're saying. What Jesus is saying is like, because of how you are interacting with me, because of your pre, because of your pre existing expectations of who I am and what I can do, I can't do anything. And so, like, look at these mm -hmm. examples of people that had to go to like to new places to find, you know, to be able to have God do new things in the world. And so like you're saying, like, how can we, how can we see that happening in, out in the world to see where God's doing something new and say, what, how can, what, what do I have to learn like about myself or about the world, or about God because of like what God is doing in this new place. And maybe a place that makes me really uncomfortable or a place I don't think God should be like you're saying a person God should not, um, God should not be helping because they're messing everything up. They're doing it all wrong. Yeah. You know, right. like it's really hard. And it's, and it's like this invitation from Jesus to be like, why is it hard? Like what's happening for you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that might take us to my point, which comes earlier in the reading than what Hannah was talking about. But I think kind of logically follows it because while Hannah was talking about the miracles and, and, that people were clamoring for and some of our own righteous misplaced indignation um, and all of those things. I want to talk a little bit about what might have been lying underneath it that fueled that response. And that's right here at the beginning, because as David said in his talking about the context, things were going okay for Jesus in last week's reading, right? Like they, the news was going to be spread throughout the land. The reception was good. Everyone was amazed. And then here, it turned really quickly. And I have to wonder if part of that has to do with what happened right here at the beginning. Because as he began to speak in the synagogue at Nazareth, he then said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And I wonder if this was a response to being unprepared. Because immediately they're amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. But then it's like immediately after that, they have to poke at it. They have to be like, is this not Joseph's son? Um, and so they're coming from a place of feeling caught unaware and vulnerable for their unpreparedness. And yet they have been preparing for generations, their whole lives. They have been waiting on this coming Messiah. And so you would think, you know, that they would be ready and on their toes. But I think that, 
I think that this time as I read it, what stuck out for me is the ways in which I am exhausted and stuck in my own life and how those might lead to my own unpreparedness. Um, Certainly, I have not been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years or anything that these people have been through, but it has been two really long COVID years, if I'm honest, Um, and I'm tired, and I still function, and I still get through everything, but it does make me less likely to be as prepared and as ready for things as I would have perhaps been before. And that I am not necessarily going through the motion, but maybe I'm not paying attention the way that I should be watching for God, moving in all of these unexpected places and with unexpected people um, and being open to that. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about um, no one knows the day or the hour, the the reading in Matthew, right? Like sleep or stay awake, you know, your house might be robbed, all of that stuff. And where am I asleep? What am I not paying attention to? And how is that causing me to respond poorly to people in my life, to God in people in my life? Yeah. 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 And I, I think that that kind of goes to my point because I'm, I'm thinking about the combination of that, of like, of your, of both of those points. Hannah's about, about Jesus, like pushing, pushing on kind of like the, pushing the buttons of the crowd, you know, to be like, look at all these places in scripture where God uh, attends to, to people outside of your expectation of who should, who God should be attending to or God moving in places in the world where you think God should not be moving. And then like yours is also about pushing against expectations of like, well, we know who the Messiah is supposed to be and we already know that you are just Jesus. So it can't be you. <laughs> like, so again, like, like being like this, the way that, that that unex- the unexpectedness pushes on like makes us feel vulnerable um, because we haven't been on guard against it, um, and also that like maybe we've missed the sign that Jesus was this thing or you know whatever like that that God is constantly like pushing us to ba- to the boundaries of our expectations, and that this crowd reacts with it says on the in this in the story they react with rage they're filled with rage <laughs> and their like response is to drive away the thing that is making them feel uncomfortable you know it's like to essentially kill jesus uh and so destroy the thing that is that is eliciting this rage this discomfort this frustration um because they're being pushed their expectations are being pushed they're uh, the ways they understand God are being pushed. They're, Jesus is like telling them a truth they don't want to hear. That they need, they're they're not going to be able to be in communion with God in the way that they want to without expanding their understanding of how God moves in the world uh, and who God moves in the world through. Mm-hmm. And so I'm struck by today the last line of the text uh, where it says that Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. And so I'm struck by the idea and just kind of metaphorically the way that Jesus embodies uh, this reaction to, to those emotions is that Jesus doesn't like run away from the emotion. Jesus doesn't kind of try to circumvent the emotion, but Jesus passes through the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if that, if Jesus in, in his actions is inviting us when we have when we have these responses where our expectations are 
come up short or our understanding of God is challenged or our understand or our like feelings about the world bring up real like rage or like Hannah was saying, we see people that we don't, that we are so frustrated with and angry with that like we can't see God in them anymore. Like I feel like our, maybe at least for me, my, my gut reaction is to just like shut that feeling down or destroy it <laughs> or go away from it or go around it. And Jesus is saying, well, what would happen if you went through the middle of it? You know, like what, what might change in you if you could sit with it, if you could be in the midst of it, if you could have this crowd of anger inside and mm-hmm. instead of circumventing it or running away or destroying it, like let you let yourself be in the midst of it, pierce through it, you know, and see, see what changes in you when you can do that. You know, back to all the way back to the beginning when Hannah was talking about her, her God moment from the last week. Like, how can what happens when you're just present, mm-hmm. when you're not think, thinking about having to respond or not respond or run away, but just like being with that frustrated feeling when you can hold that person uh, that you're angry with, you know, in like a compassionate place in your heart, or if you can like sit with your discomfort at a new idea of God or a truth that someone is naming in the world that you don't like, you know, instead of raging against it, like what would it be like to, to try to pass through the middle of it, to hold it, to hold space for it um, and see what, what changes in you, you know, it might be a trajectory for a whole new kind of ministry. You know, who knows how that moment changed Jesus? Who knows how that moment changed the crowd there? Um, I do know that at the end of the gospel, like, at least the end of Matthew's gospel, where does Jesus tell the disciples to go meet him? Back in Galilee. You know, it all kind of makes this big circle back to the beginning. So, you know, who knows what the possibilities are when we can really be present to those kind of feelings. Can I just say, like, how amazing that is, David? And this comes, you know, soon after Jesus has had his testing and temptation in the wilderness. And I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. if you think, like, he goes back to his hometown. He's in the synagogue. They hand him the, the Isaiah scroll and he picks what to read. He cuts off the last sentence and he sits down and he's like, mic drop. This has been fulfilled in your in your hearing. And then he says something that riles them up. You know, God is coming to those people that you hate. And then they are like going to kill him. And he's just untouchable. You know, he's like, whatever. I've been tempted in the desert. I've been through some hard stuff. And you wanting to throw me off the cliff is not going to scare me today, you know? Yeah, I definitely think there's a connection because if we think about Jesus' time in the desert as G- as 40 days of Jesus sitting with his demons, his mm-hmm. temptations, his fears, his anger, all the things Jesus, like, Jesus, Jesus, has, Jesus did that to cultivate the ability to be in these kind of moments, you know? Yes. That was his practice. It's like he spent, he's, he created the capacity within himself to be with his raging, angry, frustrated, sad, all the parts of him, you know? And like he, when you, when he walks back into this kind of disintegrated community as a, as an integrated, self-differentiated whole person claiming as this identity, he's capable of standing his ground in that and, and sitting firmly and authentically in who he is in the midst of this pushback, I think because of that work that he's done. And so he's able to like hold the rage, you know, and pierce the moment, you know, and like piercingly tell truths 
not out of like a sense of of ego desire but out of like a deep sense of what is true in the world of clarity of seeing with the mind of god you know that that he has and that he knows everybody has the capacity to tap into the lens to see through well and a yes and for me in that because the idea of sitting in the middle of that of in that rage and that horror and that upset and all of those things is slightly terrifying depending on what the circumstance is Mm-hmm. And yet recognizing in that that we're not alone. Um, and again, maybe that harkens back to Hannah's God sighting at the beginning. But God is remembering that in that moment when you have pierced through and you have been willing to do the work and sit in the middle of all of it, that you you are not alone because God is with you. Mm. But also in those moments when it feels unfathomable to be able to sit there for even one single moment, who can you ask to sit with you? Mm-hmm. who is that person that can be God for you in that moment and say, I will sit here in this place with you mm-hmm. in this moment of rage and mm-hmm. anger and discomfort. Yeah. And even in the, in the desert, the angels attended to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like he was totally devoid of presence mm-hmm. of other others presence and witness. So that's our three points for this week. Pretty good. Point number one <laughs> was, uh, Hamas, and it was about the frustration and rage, you know, of the crowd and being told that God doesn't just love you and the people that are exactly like you. Uh, that's really hard to hear, I think. Um, and so when we have that kind of feeling come up on us, be paying attention to who those people are that we believe are outside the bounds of God's love, who have done something, done, done something terrible enough in our eyes to to lose that belovedness uh, and challenging ourselves to see it again. Number two was uh, Charlotte's and it was about being awake, you know, staying present and being and seeing where uh, our expectations are not, you know, fully of God are not fully embodying or encompassing what, what God is doing in the world uh, and being pushed uh, and seeing what comes up in us when we're pushed and our expectations of God are pushed by what we see God's movement doing in the world. And number three was mine, similar to those first two, just when about Jesus kind of passing through the middle of this uh, emotion of this crowd um, raging against his truths, you know, and and thinking about when we have those kind of strong reactions elicited from us. When we when can we instead of running away or going around, try to pierce through the middle, try to walk with Jesus uh, in the midst of those challenges. So having heard those three points, we would love to hear what your point would have been. We'd love to hear any of your uh, comments or stories or questions from this week of faith discussion or reflection. Uh, we'd love to hear where you saw God uh, moving in the world this past week, maybe even in like a challenging way that you didn't expect God to move. That would be great. You can always uh, email us, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, myfaith2go.org, where you can also find all the faith to go resources for this week's gospel. You can uh, tag us or follow us on Instagram at Faith2Go. And you can also call us and leave us a voicemail, 562-384-7638. That's 562-FTGPOD8. And we would love to hear from anyone about anything. And thank you, the Rev, Hannah Wilder, Woo-hoo. for being You're back on welcome. the podcast. Thanks for having me. And I just want to say that if we get five comments on Mm. Instagram about this particular podcast, Mm. I will send everybody a picture of David Tremaine in a wig. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Get the comments. (laughs) A 
Okay. Tell us what you think about this podcast. We'll let you know by next week how many how many communications we've gotten from people. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, shouldn't have worn that wig that one day I was hanging out with Hannah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank You're you, David. So welcome. Great job. Thank you, David. Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. And we'll be back for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany for that first Sunday leading up to that first Sunday in February. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody.